Welcome to MLB from CDA Baseball. I'm your host, James Morris. With me today is Mason. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, just waiting for baseball to come back so I can uh, talk about new stuff. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Well, literally this entire time we're going to be talking about the lockout and uh, nothing. We are not happy in any way about the lockout, but we thought what we thought what we could tell you guys all who are listening uh, what what the lockout is more uh dive deeper in into it but as it is official MLB has lost two regular season series so they've delayed opening day delayed spring training um a lot of things have been delayed and nothing has been good out of that um what are your thoughts on this do you think they do you think they deserve to uh, lose those two regular season series do you think they could get it back what are your thoughts on that so they're they're not going to get it back. Um, Rob Manfred and the owners have basically already said that there is a way that they could work the schedule in order to fit 162 games. Um, so the season is built 162 games in 180 days. Um, a lot of the off days are really early in the season. Um, so between doing doubleheaders, if they could get one, uh, they won't. Um, and part of that is just because of the fact that April games are the least profitable games for or in the season. So at this point, the owners are more likely to just cancel those games uh, since they're not really going to bring in that much extra revenue. Mm-hmm. And they're probably, I mean, they're probably going to wait for the season to start till later because I've heard April um, and later in the summer, it's they, they make more money because more fans go to games because, you know, nicer weather pretty much wherever you yep. go so like yeah it's nicer weather kids aren't in school yeah people tend to take more vacations mm-hmm. yeah that's i honestly i have to say when what 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 just tell us i mean not not too uh not too much about the lockout what's going on because we're going to dive into that more but what 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 are your thoughts on just this whole lockout and um what, what do you think about it um so trying to think of how to say this politely uh the owners are being uh as greedy as they can uh i mean they're they're businessmen so they're gonna do everything in their power to put their businesses in the most profitable situations Hmm. um they are thinking about this from a very narrow uh next two to three years mindset in maximizing their profit and in order to do that in the short term this lockout and canceling games early in the season and holding out until the players give up and just accept a raw deal for them is the most profitable. So that's kind of why we're where we're at. Um, And the players recognize how important it is to get this right because they're not affecting just themselves, but they're affecting future negotiations of uh, labor agreements. So any bad deal they take here makes any future deal even worse. Yeah. So, uh, it was on Tuesday, and will be offered their best offer. Uh, I did air quotes virtually there. Um, will be offered their best offer to the players' association, and the players' association declined that offer. What? Just tell us about what was that? What was that best offer? What? What was? I don't know if you know too much about it, but what was? They said that they would they give the players' association their best offer. What? It, what does that mean? So. It was their best offer prior to any sort of canceling games is, is what that means. But uh, basically, they had come up on everything from minimum salary 
um, to um, increasing the amount that they were putting in the pre-art bonus pool and expanding it from 30 players that, that the owners were focused on to the 150 players the Players Association was asking for. Um, they have uh, proposed some more um, things that the players have been asking for around uh, extra draft selections for um, teams that promote their good young prospects earlier uh, to help prevent teams from like holding back Chris Bryant until uh, they get him for an extra year. Mm-hmm. Um, stuff like that. Yeah. Um, there was a lot of other smaller stuff that they included in it as well. And in, in general, if you look at just the face value, it's a decent offer. It's not a good offer. It's a decent offer. Um, the thing that makes it a bad offer is all of the hidden things that they tried to put in there that um, a lot of the uh, reporters that work for MLB.com and some of the more owner-friendly owner uh, writers did not um, include in their analysis and reporting of the offer there. Yeah, well, it's a little crazy do you think that was their actual best offer? Do you think they can make a better offer and will? Or what do you think about that? Uh, they, they will. Um, so, like I said, that was their best offer prior to canceling games. It was basically their, if you want to play 162 games, you will accept this offer, and that's that. But the player's not accepting the quote-unquote best and final offer um, will basically force Major League Baseball's hand into giving up a little bit more to come towards the players. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's... I think I don't. I think we can both agree that MLB will not be canceled this year. Do you agree with me on that? Will there, will there oh, be yeah. a... Um, there, there's no way that they go... Uh, we're going to have opening day sometime in May at the absolute latest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it's a $10 billion industry... And the owners have to uh, essentially need 140 games um, in order to not lose money. And that's their entire thing is they want to maximize profit. So giving up an entire season worth of revenue, it's $10 billion in revenue for the league. Um, they, they won't let that happen. Okay. Yeah, and I, 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 I was just making sure we agreed together. In my opinion, yeah, there's no way that MLB can be canceled as well. I mean, you got the owners that have to make money. You got the players. I'm um, not that the owners really care about the players so far, but um, that's just how, what was going on. That's just how it was. That's how it's going to be. I, I can guarantee it. The MLB is not going to be canceled, but I would say around 140 games. At, at, I don't know. That's probably around where it's going to be. Yeah, and and not to mention all the other people that are affected by this. So anyone that works in the stadium. Uh, anyone that um, uh, basically anyone that works in the stadium and the businesses immediately surrounding the stadium uh, any of the sponsors of the teams in the league they're all losing money um, when baseball doesn't play like even Budweiser who is like a league sponsor and sponsors like uh, well I guess all 30 teams technically um, they're paying for sponsorships and naming rights on stadiums that they're not getting the advertisement that they're paying for so they'll there's a point where 
they get mad enough that they either pull their sponsorships or threat or basically pressure the league to end the lockout and get baseball back on the field. Yeah, that that's a good point. Um, and you know this is the this is the first time in twenty seven years that the uh, that you know there's been a lockout and also ever players would lose twenty point five million dollars in salary for each day of the season that is canceled. Um, what what are your thoughts on that? What are, what are your thoughts on everything? Uh, on like that. Um, I don't I don't think that's yeah. right. But you what? Is that right? The players lose twenty point five million dollars in salary for each day of the season that is canceled. Uh, I'm not sure what the combined salary for the league is uh, right now. Um, and and that number obviously would change based on the uh, was it. 300 players that are still free agents mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so um I, I would i would believe that league-wide that's probably correct um let's see let me just do some quick math here real quick yeah 20.5 times one but this lockout is just I, right when this lockout ends i can't imagine how many players are gonna get traded and everything like that Oh, it's going to be absolutely nuts whenever um, <laughs> um, free agency resumes. Like, yeah. I am so excited for that. I know we're gonna. Everyone's you're gonna have podcasts. I'm gonna have podcasts going on every day. Like, it's gonna be crazy. Yeah, because you uh, you saw what happened back in December, leading right up to the lockout when free agency started. Um, there was so much movement in that like last three to four mm-hmm. days. Yeah. And then when we come back, we're going to have about three to four days before players have to be at spring training. Yeah. Um, so you're going to be seeing a ton of movement. And then you have guys like Craig Kimbrell, guys like uh, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman that are probably on the trade block. Yeah. And there's going to be teams that are trying to get those guys. So it, this is going to be like uh, NBA or NFL free agency for the first time ever in yeah. Major League Baseball. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to support MLB. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to like probably buy MLB TV. I'm probably not going to shop uh, at MLB.com. But I'm just, I'm just so angry what's going on. It's literally like millionaires versus billionaires. It's like, Sal, do, you want this more, do you want more of this money or more of that money? It's, it's all about money as a... Uh, as we know, but it just it can get very annoying, especially when us fans we just want to see baseball happen. And uh, yeah, these, all I, these... I do want to I do want to point out. So I, I get the millionaire versus billionaire thing, and it's it's true. Yeah. Except at the same point in time, uh, there's only twenty two percent of the league that makes more than a million dollars a year. True. True. Um, so you have seventy eight percent of the league that's making um, less than a million a year, and two thirds of the league is making the league minimum. Yeah, um, and then anyone who comes up from the minors is not even making that. Not even close. So, yeah. And with the the age and kind of the length of the average major league uh, career, there's very few millionaires that are involved in this at all. It's really billionaires versus people with a significant amount of money for a mid twenties kid, <laughs> but all the money that they're banking is supposed to get them through their lifetime like this is their career and their career is at max going to like 40 years old yeah it's so. yeah i mean that's a good point i mean I, yeah you're totally right owners i think all of them are multi-millionaires or billionaires and they're, they're yeah, right now they're yeah. talking about money 
the poorest owner in the league, well, the second poorest owner in the league is actually the owner of your favorite team. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, uh, he's worth $400 million. Mm-hmm. Who, is it, uh, who's the poorest? I, I used to know this. Uh, let me see. I was just looking at the thing the other day here, so let's see. The Brewers owner is 700 mil, Diamondbacks is 600 mil. Marlins is 500 mil. Actually, it might be the Reds. Yeah, the, the Reds owner, uh, Robert Castellini, yeah. is the um, least valuable. I don't want to say poorest because, I mean, <laughs> multimillionaire. Um, but he's the uh, least valuable of the major league owners. And that's kind of what you get for trading. I mean, it just kind of – I mean – I mean, it's an MLB podcast, not a Reds podcast, but, I mean, we literally trade all of our good players in, what, 10 years. We had a Ronald Chapman, Jay Bruce, all those type of players you want, we got them for literally nothing. We have no players that we got from a Ronald Chapman, Jay Bruce, Johnny Cueto, um, and Todd Frazier. We still have, we'd have none of those players right now. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some of those moves are far enough in the past now that, like, you would expect probably not to have too many people left from those trades. Yeah. But you would expect there to be like a, a chain of moves that comes from that where you see other guys maybe getting traded that you had got back in those deals or at least going out and uh, drafting some, some new young players that come up. But yeah, you're you're 100% right that the Reds kind of they, they spend a little bit of money, they try, and then they realize, oh, we've spent too much money, now we need to back off. And that's kind of how they operate. Yeah. Um. Well, as we all know, MLB has shown greed. Uh, I my opinion, I think they'll make a deal close to April, probably, in my opinion. Uh, but at that time, they should realize how much games they've taken away, losses of support by fans, and by that time, they can, they'll have enough games to make money, and uh, it'll be summer around there. Um. But uh, is what are your thoughts around Manfred? Is he a good commissioner, bad commissioner, and why? I think we know your answer and my answer. But what what are, what are your thoughts on Rob Manfred? He's a bad commissioner for fans, a bad commissioner for players, but he's kind of the perfect guy for the owners, and that's ultimately who signs his paycheck. He's he's a direct employee of the owners, and so his entire job is to be the guy that's hated so that people forget that the owners are the ones who actually make the decisions. Oh, yeah. So I hate him, and pretty much every fan does, and justifiably so. Mm -hmm. But he does an okay job at at what he's paid to do. Um, I think MLB does a terrible job of, like, setting the uh, uh, expectation for their commissioner, though, because if you look at the NFL and the NBA and the NHL, their commissioner's goal is to make sure that, yeah, they're they're there for the owners, but they're also making sure that the product is on, on the field. Yeah, that, yeah, mm-hmm. So. Yeah, well, before I really got LB, I heard of the Rob, Rob Manfred, and I don't really know why anyone really hate him that much, and I can I can kind of see why, but I mean, I mean, he's, I I totally see he probably he's probably a really good uh, owner commissioner, not, not at all a fan of oh. A good fan one, but so this is probably a little before your time. But you should go and look up uh, Bud Selig and just everything that he did. So he was the owner of the Brewers for a long time, and he became commissioner of baseball. Oh yeah, um, back in the early two thousands, I think. But you should read some of the stuff that he did and how fans felt about him. 
What what did he do? Uh, so he was the guy who basically created the idea of the competitive balance tax. Um, he was the guy that was saying that uh, small market teams uh, can't afford money. Um, he's the guy that came up with uh, trying to convince the public that baseball is not a profitable business. Um, and so basically everything that Rob Manfred does actually started with Bud Selig. And mm. Manfred is just continuing that. Um, but yeah, it's th- there's a lot of rule changes and things that happened between the 90s and, and when uh, Manfred came in and I think 20... 16 or 17 whenever he was uh yeah voted as commissioner so yeah and uh i'm not he's not the best commissioner that's for sure but uh the lockout has been horrible we'll talk about um what they still need to agree on let's i'll tell you, let's talk about what they still need to agree on and like what the players want what the owners want the players want a minimum salary of $775,000 and every year after that is increased by 30000 Owners want a minimum salary of 640000 Every year after that increased by 10000 Is that, what? Which side do you want on that? What are your thoughts? So um, I, I am actually going to update those numbers because with all of the um, negotiations and stuff that happened in Florida last week, both sides actually moved from the numbers you have there. Mm. Um, I believe now uh, the best and final proposal from MLB was uh, 700000 uh, in 2022 and increasing by 10000 each year to 2026. Um, the players, I believe, had come down to starting at 725 and going up by thirty. Um, so we're really not too far off there as far as starting numbers. Yeah, so they could um, agree on that pretty fast if they wanted the, to. The increase uh, may be a little harder to... Uh, agree to, yeah, but absolutely. in general, this the minimum salary, seven hundred k going up by ten every year is actually a really, really, really good uh, thing for the players, and I don't think that's what's holding up the deal. I think it's a lot of other things, but this uh, this increase, just what the owners have proposed, would be a hundred and twenty nine thousand five hundred dollar increase. Uh, which is the largest uh, single-year increase in history for baseball, and it is more than double the uh, total increase from 2016 to 2021, and they're getting it all at one time and then still increasing from there. Interesting. Yeah. That's, I mean, the players obviously want more money, but I think the owner's, de- owner's deal is like is a good one. On, on minimum salary, yes. Yeah. Um, the next one, they've not agreed on a pre-arbitration bo- bonus pool. The players want $115 million for the top 150 Owners want $20 million for the top 20 Um, I know very little on what that means. T- t- just tell us, and the, uh, all the people are listening, well, what does that mean? What, what is that exactly? So, uh, the best way to describe it is um, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. this year was in his uh, third year in the big leagues. And he is not signed a contract, so he was essentially making the league minimum plus or uh, plus maybe a hundred thousand that he got in raises the last two years. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he went out and he had an MVP level season. So most guys, when they're in MVP level season, are making uh, twenty or thirty million dollars. Mm-hmm. He's making eight hundred thousand. Hmm. 
So the idea of this pre-arbitration bonus pool is any player in years one, two, or three, um, if they are in the, uh, I think it was top 30 was originally what the owners were proposing, or top 150 players uh, Yep, is what the, the Players Association was proposing, they would get uh, a bonus. And I'm not sure how it would be broken down, um, but if you, um, I don't remember if it was by war, but I think there was like, maybe by war and if you won an award and were an all-star like there was a certain amount of money that you would get is a bonus for each of those things yeah so that's what it is um the most recent proposals from both sides was uh the players were asking for 85 million dollars for the top 150 mm. and then the owners had actually come up and said okay we'll expand to going to 150 players instead of just 30 um but we're only going to give you 30 million dollars so we're still off by about 55 million i love the idea of this uh, pre-arb bonus pool absolutely love it i think it's fantastic um i do think the owners are being a little cheap there at 30 mil because uh, that's if you were to average it out and say everyone gets the same bonus, it's only 300,000 per player. And of only 150 guys in their first three years, which there's a ton of those guys in the league. Yeah. So. So what, what would you pick? What would you pick? What would you pick? Uh, I'm going to guess that it's going to finish up somewhere around 50 million. Yeah. That's Um, what I was thinking. And I think that's uh, probably fair for for the first go-round. And then in the next CBA, that'll get negotiated and it'll go up. Um, So really, with this piece here, the key for for me is that this infrastructure is now here. So if the infrastructure is there, we can always mess with numbers again later if we find out that this isn't enough. Yeah. I think, in my opinion, that's going to be the biggest issue uh, when they're when they're making deals. Uh, is that what you? Is that could could that be the biggest uh, issue going uh, into the season? The biggest issue is going to be the competitive balance tax. Tell us about that. So the competitive balance tax uh, it started in two thousand and two, and it was a way to, uh, or it was created as a way uh, to basically even the gap between teams like the Dodgers and Yankees that have a ton of money to spend. They can go and give these massive contracts to a whole bunch of guys. And then you got teams like the A's, the Rays, uh, the Reds at that point in time, um, the Royals, where they don't make as much money as a team. So they don't have as much to spend. Their owners aren't as rich. They can't go out and spend $200, $300 million a year. So basically they put a upper limit and said, if you spend more than this, you're going to have to pay a tax to the league that then I think gets distributed to the lower revenue teams. Oh, uh, I yeah, I'm familiar with this now. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and then um, since 2002, the tax rates on that have kept going up, and the uh, top line has not continued increasing along with revenues as was originally proposed back in 2002. So the players are asking for that to go up um, not even to where it should be, um, just to go up higher than where it is now. Yeah. And the owners are trying to keep it where it's at and also increase the tax, essentially creating a um, salary cap. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, salary cap is 
a big issue going, uh, especially with with how much money each team has. You got the Yankees who have tons and tons of money. You got the Reds and the Marlins who got very little. And uh, I, I, the Reds actually, I was surprised going going into like it was a couple months ago, but like going into the season, they had the fifteenth most amount of money. So right smack in the middle. It's probably because they're losing all these guys and like just having all these tiny guys who are worth very little amount of money. But hopefully you'll get some other players and the Marlins are spending a lot of money. So they're down in the list with how much money they have, but the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox, all the players who normally have a lot of money still have a lot of money. And that's just kind of how it is, but you need a salary cap to even that out. Yeah. So baseball has always been prided as being the one sport that doesn't have a salary cap and allows the the free market to determine player values. Mm -hmm. Um, Salary caps really only work if you also have a salary floor um, to make sure that uh, it's not just a way to suppress contracts. It's trying to actually make it a competitive, all teams are spending roughly the same amount of money. So it's one of those that the, the owners are trying to make this a de facto salary cap without having the subsequent salary floor, which is why players are not making as much money. And um, that's why that it is such a big issue. So, yeah, it's but, and in the salary cap won't ever come into play because I don't know if you know why the um, 1994 player strike actually happened, mm-hmm. but it all revolved around the, uh, the owners wanting to implement an actual salary cap. Oh, uh, so we got three terms roughly on what they need to agree on. And um, let's talk about what they have agreed on because uh, that's the only what, good news during the lockout. <laughs> But MLB has officially agreed to universal DH, um, and along with elimination of draft picks, confiscate. I can't even say it right now. Draft pick confiscation for free agents. Confiscation. Conf- yeah. Um, what does that mean? Uh, universal DH. What does that have to do with? What, is that going to be good and bad for the MLB? Uh, what, what do you think about that? So, I used to be anti-universal DH as a as an NL fan. Uh, now. I'm actually pro DH. Um, pitchers have become such bad hitters. Um, I think the the total WRC plus for pitchers uh, is like 24, which means that they're uh, 75% worse than your average hitter. Mm. Um, and that number goes down every single year. Yep. As these pitchers don't take batting practice they don't work on their swing they're trying to become the best pitchers they can be so in the nl you just have a free out basically every time Mm -hmm. so bringing in the dh is going to give another another guy a job um usually an aging veteran um because they can't really play the field as well anymore or they're not fast or they're just kind of bad at defense or something yeah um but their bat's still good so it allows you to have guys like Miguel Cabrera stick around for as long as he has because he's the DH instead of the first baseman. Um, As for the draft pick compensation, that is also really, really good uh, because it uh, basically gets rid of the qualifying offer. Um, The qualifying offer, it it might still kind of exist as like you can give a guy an $18.4 million contract before he hits free agency. Um, well, uh, the number won't be 18.4 next year, but you get my point. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
But if they go, if they say no to that and go sign somewhere else, the team that signs them does not lose a draft pick. So it's not discouraging people from going and signing a guy who got a qualifying offer. Interesting, yeah. And DH is, I, I, I think I like the DH just because in 2020, you know, it was just so fun to watch. There, there's so much action and hitting. In 20, 2021, we all will know that pitching was like at, at his best uh, ever and not, like pretty much because of cheating as a as pitching but uh it is more fun to watch when there's lots of action and hitting and you got the dh and your whole lineup stacked and it's just really fun to watch um because it's more fun and just action-packed and i i think i'm a pro dh i like i, I used to be i don't i don't like dh at the start because I, I like to see pitchers hit my favorite player for the reds uh used to be michael lorenzen and he would always hit when he was up to bat and i thought it was super cool and um well, that when a, when a pitcher gets a hit, it's amazing. Yeah, <laughs> but the payoff is just because of how how infrequently it happens. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and I think it's it's almost unfair because AL they have DH, NL they don't, and uh, when the when you when the AL plays the NL and you're playing at the NL park and the AL pitcher has to hit. It's very ugly, and it's just not fun to watch because then you always get your ninth hitter, uh, an automatic out pretty much, and it's just it's not usually fun to watch, especially because um, it's almost like you said guaranteed out when the pitchers will hit. But uh, now there's baseball traditionalists that say that it's the only difference between the leagues, and that difference is what makes it cool. Yeah, um, and I can see that point too, but I'm I'm with you. I want to see the action. Because yeah. I would rather see Big Poppy hit 40 home runs than I would uh, like to see Logan Webb hit a home run and strike out 50 times in a season. <laughs> yeah. It is kind of fun, though, to watch pitchers hit it hard against a team you're crushing. You know, like the Reds were playing the Pirates and we were held like 14-0 to and we had a pitcher hit. Uh, and he got some really good hits against like a really bad pitcher. It's just kind of cool to watch. And it it's just so exciting when that pitcher gets a hit. But um, that happens very rarely. When the pitcher gets a hit to end a no hitter. <laughs> oh yeah, I wonder. Has that ever happened before? Oh, I'm sure it has. I can't remember uh, an exact game off the top of my head, but I know it has. Yeah. Wow. Oh, wait, that no, didn't that happen? I think even this year it was against. Uh, uh, maybe maybe I'm thinking of it for year, but I think the I was against the Astros. It was like in the sixth or seventh inning, though, but. It was kind of funny. Um, I, what's the what do you think besides Antani? Who do you think are the top? Maybe not quite five, but what are the top best pitchers for hitters? Best, top best hitters for pitchers. So if we're excluding Otani, yeah. um, you'd be looking at guys like uh, well, Lo- Logan Webb um, yep. is a pretty good hitter so far for such a young pitcher because. He got he was DH'd for in all of the minor leagues. Wow! So like he really didn't get a chance to hit, and so he comes up and he's pretty solid. Uh, Jacob Degrom right now is the best hitting pitcher. Yeah, and Max um, Freed. Who? Max Freed, Braves pitcher. Yeah, that's true. Max Freed is pretty solid. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm really partial to some of the older guys. Um, so Adam Wainwright, uh, uh, John yep. Lester, yeah. those guys, uh, that type of. Uh, pitcher they were always pretty solid hitters um granted they grew up hitting as well so yeah i 
I don't know if you've heard of him, but Mike Lorenzen for the Reds is actually a really good hitter. Um, yeah, so he's uh, he actually had the potential to be a two-way for um, the Reds. They just didn't use him enough for him to actually qualify as a two-way. Yeah, in 2021, he got hurt. He hurt his shoulder really bad, and uh, coming back into the season, his very first game, we put him in the outfield, and he's doing great. He got a, I think he struck out, but it was against Josh Hader. But he got on base, he pinched it, he got in the outfield. And uh, on the eighth inning, he was running home. And uh, he, I don't know, he, he just stepped weird. He did something to his leg really bad, and he was out for the pretty much the rest of the season. And uh, he's officially with the Angels, who uh, he's probably not going to hit ever again. <laughs> but um, I would say Jacob DeGrom, Max Fried, Michael Lorenzen, John Lester, and uh, Wade Miley is actually a pretty good hitter as well. I would say those, I think that's five two or guys, six. Two guys that I kind of forgot about, but one of them is actually the uh, – last pitcher to get a hit in Major League Baseball. Uh, it was in the postseason, but Zach Grinke. Oh, yeah. Uh, Grinke mashed when he was in the NFL. He is. Um, he he uh, actually went from the Royals to the National League so that he could hit. Wow. Yeah, um, he he's actually yeah, he's a pretty good hitter. Madison Bumgarner had a lot of power for a pitcher as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, you're, you're a Cardinals fan, right? Yeah. What are your thoughts on Nolan Arenado? Oh, I love Nolan. Um, he's. I think he's going to be a lot better this year. I think he needed an adjustment year. He was still kind of coming back from a shoulder injury at the beginning of the year. And he was still um, good last year, too. Yeah. So the other thing is St. Louis is a pitcher's park. So playing 81 games in St. Louis, it's going to deflate your hitting numbers a bit um, just because it's a lot harder to hit a home run there. Um and the outfield is so big, and he is a slug on the bases. Mm-hmm. He's and, so slow. Yeah. Well, I'm looking at his stats here. He had 34 home runs and batted 255 with a 4.1 WAR, 105 RBIs. That's solid, and he could, he. That's not even an amazing year for him, honestly. He can be a lot better than that. Yeah, he can. And and the the funny thing is, I literally just told you that he. Uh, his power numbers get sapped a little bit by Bush Stadium, and he still hit 34 home runs. Yeah, that's true. So, if he, uh, let's see, what was his home versus away? Uh, Six-time All-Star, hit, nine gold gloves for Nolan Arenado. Yeah, 14 home runs at Bush Stadium and 20 home runs on the road. Wow. That's that's extremely impressive. Holy smokes. Yeah, so his uh, his biggest thing was that his average at Bush Stadium was actually really, really low, whereas mm-hmm. his average on the road was really pretty solid. Yeah. He hit 280 on the road and 230 at Bush. I'm looking at his predictions for next year. Next year doesn't look, I mean, this is, you know, highly predicted. He could be way wrong, but uh, he only looked, he might hit 29, 28 home runs with 88 RBIs next year. Bat at two, he's get, might bat 264. Uh, his predicted war is not up here, but um, about four. Four, well, yeah. He's, projection system. He's pretty much been four around there every year. I mean, he's he's a rookie of the year. He's a nine-time Gold Glove. He's a six-time All-Star, four-time Silver Slugger. He's a five-time Platinum Glove winner. Um, he just he's a solid, solid player. Um, and he makes a lot of money as well. I'm looking at a salary, minimum salary. Oh, yeah, he uh, he had signed a, um, I think it 
think at one point it was a maybe 10-year, $280 million contract, and then whenever he got traded, they kind of reworked it a little bit mm-hmm. um, to add in an, an extra year at the end. Um, so I, I don't remember what the exact numbers would be. Um, it looks like Fangraphs is calling it 9-year, 275, um, but that wasn't the original contract he signed. Uh, that's with the extra year, I think. Oh, yeah. Well, who do you think is the most underrated player in the MLB? I did a podcast on this earlier. My opinion, Mason, I think it's Austin Riley by a ton. I think he's an amazing player, and he's... I mean, he wasn't even close to winning the MVP. What are your thoughts on Austin Riley? I love Austin Riley. Um, he is a really, really good young player. It took him a couple... So he started out pretty hot when he came up in 2019. And then in 2020, and he kind of didn't really play all that well. I think he hit uh, 239, 301, 415 with only eight home runs. Uh, defensively, he was pretty bad um, in 2020. And then 2021 was kind of his breakout year. 6.1 so I definitely war. think that he's underrated right now. I think next year people are going to know what they're looking at. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm a little... I, until he had his MVP, I would have told you Bryce Harper. Really? Yeah. Oh, Bryce Harper was so underrated. Wow, that um, surprises me. I mean, people thought he was overrated, and so they started underrating him. Yeah. And then he won his MVP again for his second one in his career, and I don't think people are going to make that mistake again. Yeah, I mean, I don't think he deserved to be the MVP. I honestly think Juan Soto did, just according to statistics. But, I mean, Bryce Harper was totally underrated, and no one, like, remembered him at all. He's like, oh... So, if you look at Bryce and Soto's uh, end of year stats, they were pretty pretty darn similar. Yeah, very uh, similar. And Juan so, Soto overall had a little bit better. Uh, in, in a couple areas, and then Bryce was better in another couple. But the yeah. the difference, and I think the thing that got the MVP for Harper, is the fact that Harper did it over the course of the entire season. It was probably his most um, consistent season of his career. Mm-hmm. Whereas Soto had a really, really bad first half. And then he went and hit 400 in the second half, which is insane. Yeah. But I, I do think that Bryce was certainly deserving of it. I, I think any of the three finalists really could have won it, and I would have been okay. Yeah. Because I think Austin Riley was the third, wasn't he? Uh, Austin Riley, no, he was like seven or eighth. Uh, uh, who, was, who was third in the MVP? Uh, I think Tatis. Tatis. Junior. Oh, yeah, that checks out. Yeah. I'm looking at Juan Soto's stats here. and but He bet a 313, and I mean, I found, uh, his walks was tremendous. Uh, he had 2021, 145 walks, and that's, <laughs> I mean, that was the most in MLB, most in Nationals history, I believe. Um, but, but to be fair, Nationals history is not that long. <laughs> that's true that's true um but uh he batted 313 7.1 war uh 95 rbis and he had 29 home runs Juan Soto's yeah, a solid so, player um while Bryce hit uh I think it was what's Bryce's war uh 6.6 so uh I'm on fan graphs so they're both 6.6 on fan graphs war Oh, really? I'm uh, on ba- uh, yeah, baseball so reference. Bryce hit six more home runs. Uh, his average was only four points lower at 309. Um, 
so does WRC plus. Uh, Harper actually had the higher WRC plus. Um, um, but, and then I was looking at his splits. So in the first half, Soto was was solid. Like he hit 283 with 11 home runs. I uh, took 58 walks in the first half. Um, seven intentional. Struck out 52 times. But then in the second half, he went off. He hit 348 with uh, 18 home runs. He walked 87 times, 16 of those being Whoa. intentional. And oh. only struck out 41 times. Wow. Which, that's kind of just what Soto does. And that's probably why he didn't win the the MVP as well, because all of a sudden he got really well. Or really good, you know? Yeah, so he was, he was good the whole time, but, I mean... Bryce was, I guess by average, kind of the same. So Bryce, hmm. actually, everything I was about to say, throw it out the window. They kind of had the same, the same path there for uh, for the season. Yeah. So now that I'm looking at split, it's like their numbers are pretty much identical. Really? Yeah. I mean, um, Soto walks more by a lot, but like that's what you get with Soto in general. It's just more walks. He's one of the most selective and has the best eye in the league. I thought this was a little strange. Against right-handed pitchers, Juan Soto walked 105 times versus left-handed pitchers, he only walked 40. Well, it's... um, Whenever you're um, trying to uh, put in a reliever against him, you're going to want that lefty-lefty matchup because he mashes against righties. Oh, yeah. I mean, he mashes against lefties, but you have a better chance to get him out if you pitch a lefty against him. Yeah. So, and lefties are just more rare in general, so you're going to expect to see lower numbers. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. On, on counting stats. Uh-huh. But, his, his, yeah, I mean, he's a great player. Mm, for sure. But, do you think Bryce Harper deserved to be the MVP? I mean, like, to oh, all... 100%. Really? Yeah, Bryce Harper, I, I was calling for MVP about... A month and a half before the season ended. Wow. So I what? Who did you? Who was your biggest vote? That who did you really like? Uh, wanted to be an All Star game that didn't. Is there any player that you're like? Oh, I wish you made the All Star game but didn't. Oh shoot! I can't even remember the All Star roster right now. Um. um Twenty twenty one MLB All Star rosters. Um, I mean, I would have loved to see Tyler O'Neill make it. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think he did, did he? No, I don't. Uh, yeah. You know, I don't remember. I don't need to look that up, too. No, he did not. I would have loved to see um, to see Tyler O'Neill make it. Um, it. I think it might have just been Yachty and Alex Reyes for, for the Cardinals. Oh, and Arenado. You guys had a lot of gold glove winners. The holy smokes of the Cardinals. Oh, yeah, the entire infield. <laughs> Except for shortstop. But. Yeah. I would, it's mostly because I don't Miami remember you got played the whole season. Tommy Edmond, Nolan Arenado, and Paul Goldschmidt, Paul Goldschmidt. Uh, Tyler O'Neill, Harrison Bader. Uh, did Yachty win it at catcher? I, I, I was he did. he did. Wow, I'll look that up here. Um, I I think it's soon. I think it's kind of soon that we could start predicting um, if he if, uh, on the on the. If we could start predicting the 2022 season, how it's going to be. 
That would be very exciting. Yachty got second in the Gold Glove. Yeah, I just saw that. Wow. Who who came in first? Was that Rimuto? Uh, that s- sounds right. I'll check. Gold Glove. Jacob Stallings. Jacob Stallings. I, that surprised me. That extremely surprised me. I knew Jacob Stallings was good, but, I mean, not gold glove caliber player. Uh, so, that's kind of his thing, is being defensive first. Um, he's He's got a pretty solid bat, but there's not very many catchers that are bat first. Uh, they tend to be de- defense first and bat second. Mm-hmm. And uh, Stallings, to me, is kind of more like a, a James McCann type of guy, where, like, mm. he's really, really good. You wouldn't necessarily think about him, but, like, McCann should have won some gold gloves, and I think probably did, didn't he? What are your, uh, um, do you think... Um, or not, not James, Brian McCann. Brian McCann. Okay. How, is Roberto Perez... Uh, I, I honestly I, I don't even know what to think about him. One one year he hits good, one year he hits okay, one year he feels good. Roberto one year, or Salvador? Roberto. Roberto Perez, Pirates now. Adam Duvall won the gold glove, it looks like here. Okay. Um Oh. Cleveland, Roberto Perez. Yeah, he's he's not a good offensive hitter. He is he is mm-hmm. like the epitome of a defensive first catcher. I know, right? Uh, but the Pirates wanted to get him. I think they did. So yeah. uh, that was more. Um, they don't or they didn't have a whole lot of time and control left on Jacob Stallings. Yeah, and they were able to get a good young pitcher in Zach Thompson. And I think maybe a prospect Did in return for... Jacob Stallings go uh, to Padres? Uh, Jacob Stallings went to the Marlins, I believe. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. I'm looking at Roberto Perez's stats here. Bat at 149 in 2021 with seven home runs and only 17 RBIs. I mean, he only had 140 at-bats, but still... I mean, his average for his whole MLB career's uh, average is only two hundred six. Yeah, he's uh, he's one of those guys that he's just there because he's uh, really good with the pitchers. Oh, yep. Well, might be about it. Brito Perez is now a pirate, so he's doing really well. But I believe that's it. Pre, uh, any last thoughts or anything on this, Mason? Just that uh, keep your head up. This will end soon. Um, uh, soon is relative, but we will have baseball this year. And as much as it's easy to... Um, kind of just tune away from baseball in general uh for anyone who's thinking about well if baseball doesn't want us uh why do we want them the owners might be taking advantage of this situation but look at all these young players that are still here we got um soto acuna uh vlad 
Guerrero, Fernando Tatis Jr., Shohei Otani. We still have Mike Trout, who's the best player in possibly the last hundred years to play baseball. Mm-hmm. And there's so much to love, and we support the players, not necessarily yep. the owners. So stick with the players through the lockout. Let's hope that they get the best deal that they can, given the situation. Any deal that they get now is not going to be a great deal. Um, and that's just based off the last two negotiations, like the last two CBAs that we've had. Mm-hmm. But stick with them. All they right. deserve what they're uh, what they make, and they bring us joy. So yeah, well, I just yeah, exactly what you said. <laughs> well, thank you for doing this, Mason. I appreciate it. Yeah, not a problem. Well, thank you for having me back. Totally. Oh, thank you. Hey, two-time guest yes sir (laughs) well uh thank you and thank you for listening to emily from cda baseball podcast uh do you see you next time